lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. You're on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you would like to join us today, uh, utilize the SteveDace.com inbox, which we will be utilizing later on for Feedback Friday. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for samples of this show that you can share with others and sample yourself, just go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. We welcome our good friend Shannon Joy. From the People's Republic of New York State, uh, where she remains on lockdown because of coronavirus. Why is she here? Well, because it's Friday. That means it is time for the Dace Group. Oh, by the way, Todd and Aaron, you're here too. Hey, guys. You, you said that. Mention you. Did I say that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get going then, shall we, with a review of the week that was, beginning with issue one, Bleep Democrats Say. I need to preach the word of God. Until the coronavirus is resolved, criminals take a break. Okay? Stay home. Okay? Stay home. And don't commit any crimes. And that way, they'll stay safe and out of jail. And police officers will stay safe and can go home to their families. Okay? So everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. Wait till the coronavirus is over. Why don't you explain to me why what I'm doing? Go the f- home. I'm wondering if you see the potential, as some others in your party do, for a new progressive era. Yes. Forgive me for being long-winded, uh, but absolutely we see this as an opportunity to reshape uh, the way we do business and how we govern. Some states are still not issuing stay-at-home orders. I mean, whether there should be a federally mandated uh, directive for that or not, I guess that's more of a political question, but just scientifically, doesn't everybody have to be on the same page with this stuff? I I think so, Anderson. I don't understand why that's not happening. As you said, you know, the tension between federally mandated versus states' rights to do what they want is something I don't want to get into. But if you look at what's going on, in this country, I just don't understand why we're not doing that. Basically what's happening in America is whatever happens when a family has like an alcoholic dad and when the kids just have to raise themselves, that's what's going on in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Trump is AWOL, so the kids are just like, all right, I, I guess I'm just going to drive to the supermarket. Yeah. I want to talk about this new talk of an infrastructure bill in Congress. Are you taking into consideration uh, green jobs, green infrastructure? 
Yes. If we're going to look, the COVID-4 can probably be more forward-looking at the economy. And if we're going to do infrastructure, because there's nothing better than getting the infrastructure going and going in a big, strong way, we need it big, we need it bold, and we need it futuristic, which means green. The idea that any abortion isn't essential is medically irresponsible. Everyone has been instructed that if they see worship services going uh, services going on, uh, they will go uh, to the officials of that congregation. They'll inform them they need to stop the services and disperse. If that does not happen, they will take additional action up to the point of uh, fines and potentially uh, closing the building permanently. I just need to keep my mouth shut for a little while. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I mean, this guy, I mean, this has become, uh, you know what? We'll get to him later. Okay. But for now, what was your favorite ride on the crazy train this week? Aaron, I never let you go first. I'm going to let you do it this time. That's great because I screwed up something with the the elements today. So I was going to ask you to either go first or last. So I had time while well, there you and, go. and okay. Shannon are talking. Oh, my goodness. Um, let's take let's take Fauci off the board. Yeah, like that, you just said up in a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's definitely my favorite. Uh, my favorite ride on the. So um the I, I did this on purpose. The first three clips in in the montage today, the crazy feminist, I suppose, woman with purple hair screaming about a stay at home order for a street preacher and then screaming and then cursing at him, even though she's out there, which means she's violating the stay at home order. Contrasted with Houston's mayor saying, criminals, please just stay at home. I beg of you, please just stay at home. Meanwhile, I think it was a 20% increase in burglaries and home invasions, I believe it was in Houston uh, now in the last, uh, I think, week or so. That's been reported. Uh, Contrasted those two clips, just the man on, or woman, whatever, I don't want to assume her gender, woman on street, please, criminals, stop being criminals. And then the third clip, Gavin Newsom of California saying, yes, we definitely see this as an opportunity to usher in a new progressive era of business and government. Yes, that's that's what we're facing, America. We 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 are being told we are being told that if you question, if you question at all any of these experts or just want them to be questioned by other experts whatsoever, you hate old people, you hate old people and then. Meanwhile, while we keep the country locked down, plunging us into probably a Great Depression, which we'll talk about later, these progressives are working behind well, not behind the scenes, right under our noses, right under our noses, trying to usher in basically a Green New Deal. So that's that is that is probably my favorite ride on the Democrat crazy train from the street level on 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 up to the uh, to the governor level. It is an opportunity. That's all they see this as. Shannon. You know, fellas, I've been consuming so much of this idiocy for so many weeks at this point that the incoherent blather of these leftists starts to sound like Charlie Brown's teacher Mm -hmm. in the classroom and it just goes in. But I did find myself during the CNN clip with Anderson Cooper looking at the scrolling thing around the bottom, right, because I'm 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 filtering everything else out and and uh Uh, The question that they're asking, it was from a listener, should I stop using my contact lenses in order to avoid touching my face during coronavirus? And it's just like the just the the dumb, the dumb is is 
is just so rampant that, um, you know, I think that one was the one that stuck out to me out of all the others. Follow up question. Should I not use my contact lens or wear glasses so that I don't risk touching my face? But is it then still safe for me to drive my kids at the park while we're right. social distancing? Right. Isn't that, right. Isn't that the most the next obvious follow up from there? Exactly. Yeah. She's so yeah. dumb. So dumb. Todd. That, that actually happened. I, <laughs> thank God it's Friday. Uh, it's, it's the first one. And not because there's zero self-awareness there with that gal in the streets screaming about breaking quarantine, but because, and I kid you not, there is zero daylight between her and what she's doing and the conservative blue checks who are yelling at people for going to church while the subways are still open. Zero daylight! I... I'm glad you put Mr. Fauci in there because the official dumb, the official bleep is so bad. I otherwise, the rest of that was not going to hold my attention this week. I I mean, the rest of it simply was not going to hold my attention given, given the, the laws of contradiction that we continue to violate the lack of self-awareness. We continue to demonstrate the fact that the guy that wants a national shutdown could still just jump on the subway and ride it all over New York City. Well, well, Steve, the emergency workers, I, I, somebody immediately said that to me. Well, they kept it open for the, uh, for the essential emergency workers. Except I then sent them an article that was in New York City just yesterday. They're worried that the subways are overloaded, so people are getting in the way of the essential emergency ah. workers riding them. Yeah, hmm. yeah so yeah, that's, that's great. Let, let, you know what? Here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to get to the next issue as soon as possible. So let's do it now. Exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one being as reliable as an Imperial College survey and 10 being as reliable as President Fauci's pessimism fetish, rate this week's level of total depravity. Aaron? 10. 10. Shannon? Call me Alice. I'm down the rabbit hole. It's over. It's a 10. I'm at a 10. (laughs) We finally broke it. We find finally, finally, the most cynical person, perhaps that that we could have that we could get away with putting on a platform of this magnitude has finally reached something that even she is determined. We're off script right now. I have to go 10. Okay. (laughs) now I will tell you for the first time I am officially worried. All right. Let's get to issue two. Two hundred and forty thousand. Last Sunday, the law firm of Burks and Fauci made this announcement. In their estimates, they had between 1.5 million and 1.2 million people in the United States succumbing to this virus without mitigation. Yet through their detailed studies and showing us what social distancing would do, what, people, what would happen if people stayed home, what would happen if people were careful every day to wash their hands, and worry about touching their faces, that what an extraordinary thing this could be if every American followed these. And it takes us to that stippled mountain that's much lower, a hill actually, 
down to 100 to 200,000 deaths, which is still way too much. Yes, as many as 240,000 Americans could die from the Wuhan coronavirus in the next few months, despite the fact that at that time, a fraction of that amount had died with the virus worldwide. One of the new models the White House is relying on is the model from the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, funded by Bill Gates. Sean Davis from The Federalist decided to see if that model's day-by-day projections have been reliable so far. In the United States, the IHME model predicted on April 1st, 121,000 Americans would be hospitalized with the coronavirus. The actual number was 31,000. In New York, the IHME model predicted that on April 1st, over 50,000 New Yorkers would have been hospitalized due to the virus. The actual number was a little over 18,000. In Texas, the model predicted 1,700 people would have been hospitalized on the first. The actual number was just below 200. In Georgia, the model predicted 2,777 people would be hospitalized. The actual number was 952. And the list goes on and on. Steve polled his Twitter following, asking them whether they believed 240,000 Americans would be killed by the coronavirus. At just under 3,000 votes, 89.4% of his followers say they don't believe that number is accurate. Uh, Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise, is now out there telling us, literally, as, as we were getting ready to do our show here today, is now out there telling us, well, the models are unreliable. This is, this is self-parody now. Okay, this is, this is self-parody now. We had to shut everything down based on these models. We then had to stay shut down based on these models that we now say cannot be relied upon. I don't believe, folks, I'm just going to say this out loud. I don't believe the people running this operation and running this country right now have any better data than you can accumulate if you just do your own research. I don't. And I'm going to explain to you why. I think if I'm going to make that kind of a, a startling claim, I should, I, it's my responsibility to, pro, to proffer a hypothesis that's at least somewhat reasonable as to why. Don't you? Yes. I'm going to give you one. Here's why. Because they trusted all of China's data at the very beginning. That's why. Because the data that we were given about its communicability rate, its transmission rate, all of those talking points all came from the WHO, which is essentially a propaganda arm of the Chinese government. We didn't follow the shutdown models, the quarantine models that Japan and South Korea and other countries that fought SARS-1 and, and, and several other viruses we haven't had to confront here in the United States, at least not at the level they have. We didn't follow their models. We immediately went with the Chinese model recommendation of shut everything down. I, I'm sure it was a merely altruistic, I'm sure it was a merely altruistic um, a, a recommendation by our primary economic rival in the world that we go ahead right at the dawn of spring that we go ahead and shut our entire economy down while theirs has been largely on shutdown trying to deal with the virus they gave their own people I believe for the last few months I'm sure it was just an all I'm sure they were really just looking out for us and not number one I'm sure and the reason why on Friday they had a press briefing last week with that same Dr. Burks and the president that made it pretty obvious they were they were they were clear in, they were, they were uh, clear in the brush to get ready for some form of a reopening like the president had teased all week. 
Then on Saturday, the president said, well, I think, frankly, if we just, you know, quarantine New York City, we ought to be okay. And then on Sunday, it's uh, abandon, abandon hope, all ye who enter. I'm well aware of Donald Trump's mercurialness. We all are by this point. He's been our president for several years now. We, we see it on Twitter. We, we get it. We've all made our peace with it. Some of us love it. Some of us don't. Some of us don't care, provided he's, he does a good job, right? We, we, but we all know that there is, there is a chaotic nature, and he, he likes that kind of chaos to some degree, right? Even by Trumpian standards, that's Linda Blair-esque levels of, 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 of ground shifting. And, and here's why that is the case, I believe. They don't have any reliable data. The only reliable data that we actually have is what we're doing now that we're actually mass testing our own people. Don't ask me why it took this long to get to be able to mass test our own people, yet they can use your cell phone right away to make sure you're social distancing. I, I have no good answers as to why that is, is the case, but I don't have a good answers. I don't have good answers to lots of things that don't make any sense these last few weeks. That would be another one. And so we ran out there on Tuesday, largely extrapolating the data we had gleaned from New York City's mass testing, because that's, that's where half of all testing in the United States has occurred up until this week was in, the, was in New York City alone. So we were just ex- prorating that data to the rest of the country, because, you know, the whole rest of the country is 48 square miles of 16 million people living on top of one another, breathing on each other, riding the subways, the trains, the the buses. The whole country's like that. Same smoking rate, everything. The whole country is that or not. And I don't believe they have any clue what they're doing. I think that you've got, I think the president is now, in, I think he's besieged now. I think he is besieged by rival groups of bureaucrats who all don't want the blame on their hands Whenever this thing is finally done and and resumption uh, resumes, if, by the way, that ever actually happens. I know the vice president gave a call yesterday to to, to conservative leaders around the country. One person who was on that call told me it it gave me told me it was like listening to a ticket, a ticket counter person at at a podunk airline who can't who, who just keeps moving back your delays until they just cancel your flight. Oh, we hope by the end of May, maybe. They don't know. All right, the cliff they thought they were going to saw two weeks ago, we got a cliff, but it wasn't the end of the world cliff and they can't figure it out. So the only thing they're now, now the bureaucrats are just doubling down. Just keep moving it back, moving it back, moving it back because it's coming. That's why I believe we have seen the events of the last couple of weeks, and I don't believe they have any better data than somebody who knows how to do this professionally or somewhat or, or at least somewhat properly could just simply research on their own. I didn't I don't I got I, I, I spent a year in community college. I got thrown out of college because they don't hand out degrees for Super Tecmo Bowl and eating Lucky Charms for three square meals a day. I have sat here and just with a little research and help of people who are smarter than me have destroyed how many of their talking points for the last couple of weeks. Have we just uh, pretty much all of them guys. And it's not because I'm smarter than them. It's because they don't know what they're doing and nobody wants to just flat out admit this. And now it's in the country. And frankly, there's nothing we can do now. It's and, and now you're seeing the pivot. For, uh, forgive my rant, guys. I'm going to let you go off, I promise. Now you're seeing the pivot I warned you about the last couple of weeks. Suddenly, CBS News is concerned about the, the lack of, boy, look what's happened to the ag business 
I tweeted that out earlier today. Now they're concerned that we're going to have a, a shortage because we're, we're right in the middle of what here in farm country? Planting season. Guess what is not going on in a lot of places? Not as much planting as they were doing because the labor force is entirely shut down. So it's basically what you can do on your own. Well, we're going to have a food shortage in the fall. ABC News suddenly wants to admit that, well, we put four and a half million people from China in the country. There's probably nothing we can do. Suddenly they're concerned about the immigration laws. Maybe we should. So ABC News is now concerned we should have stopped these people from coming. See, now they're, gonna, now they're making the pivot. They're making the pivot now. And by the way, can someone tell me where are all the, where are all the media stand-ups like 100 yards outside the hospitals in New York City? There you go. Like we get every time there's a, every time there's every time there's a mass shooting or a terrorist attack. Why aren't we getting that? You know what? I'm, no one answered that question because all the answers would probably get us all banned from every platform. But I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. OK, they don't. So now you're going to see the grand pivot now. Right. And Trump is now besieged by by different factions of bureaucrats, none of whom want to be blamed for whatever this ultimately turns out to be. But the problem is we let it into the country now. And let me tell you what the data does show. Once you let it into your country, there's almost nothing you can do to stop it. And you're going to largely get the exact same results if you do targeted shutdowns compared to uh, and trying to end your way of life, which is what we are doing right now. Literally nothing changes. It's a virus. It's a virus. That's that's what a virus means. So I need to inter- interject. No, uh, you know what? That's good. It's good that you did that. Let me just stop and let you guys go because we've got about a good seven or eight minutes. So everybody gets their turn now that I took 10. <laughs> right, go ahead. Well, it's it's that's not defeatist. It's just how viruses work. They, they spread. Viruses spread. Uh, I don't know how I don't know how the epidemiologists don't take that into account. And these models that we're talking about, the IHME model, that's supposedly the gold standard that goes out towards august but really it tapers down to about july 1st it only goes out to august and then and then as dr fauci well fauci says earlier this week that once the new cases and new deaths are down to zero that's when we can actually relax social distancing that's never going that's going to be years and years and years guys that's, that's the same dr fauci by the way and years and that, years. that's telling people who have hiv yeah. That provided they have deteriorated the virus enough in their bodies that they're that they no longer test positive, they're free to go have sex with yep. other people with HIV. But the rest of us have to sit here and be shut down until we have a total baseline of zero with coronavirus. And here's the other pivot that you're seeing, and you're going to see another one here in the ne- in the next couple of weeks as well. Dr. Deborah Burks yesterday during the press conference, the Coronavirus Task Force press conference, saying essentially, "You yokels." You stupid damn yokels are not doing a good enough job of flattening the curve. And we're not seeing that. We've seen the curve flattened in Italy and Spain. We know it can do here, but we're not seeing that yet. And it's because you guys aren't social distancing good enough. We said, or I said anyway, that that was going to happen because that's the, that's the Faustian thing. That's the Faustian play here. And then once we see the, the numbers and cases start going down, which they already are, if you believe New York City's data, which is suspect and that's another another story as well they're already going down once it starts to go down across the board though then they'll 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 get up there and say see we told you plebeians we told you plebes that uh, that this was going to happen that, that that we saved you from yourselves that's what's going to happen here because all of these people they're not supposed to be making the public policy decisions. That's right. They're way in over their skis. They are not over their skis as far as maybe the figuring out what the are not of of coronavirus is. They're way over their skis. And and the the guys, the the id that you have to have 
or just ignorance at work at best that you have to have to repeatedly say, as Dr. Fauci has this week, that it is inconvenient from an economic standpoint to take the measures that we're taking. Guys, he's he's out, out of touch at the very best out of touch. And that should be a slap in the face to every single American. It's inconvenient. I'm sorry. No, it's it's something it's something else. It's not inconvenient. Shannon. Well, here's another angle. Um, I'm getting prepared, and I think everyone in the country should be prepared for this to go to a pretty dark place because uh, there's nothing, in my opinion, more dangerous than powerful bureaucrats backed into a corner. And uh, I have three things right here. You asked if if they're going to hit that number, 240,000, 200,000. And with the way that they're reporting COVID deaths here in New York State, and I believe across the country, they will indeed hit their numbers because they're beginning to manipulate that data. And I have three sources right here. The National Vital Statistics System. This is how they code deaths in the United States of America. Um, and it's used to, to collect data on this um, recommendation the, the, they're sending out to hospital systems. Uh, COVID-19 deaths should uh, should it be reported on the death certificate for all decedents where the disease is caused or is assumed to have caused or be contributed to the death. And they should, they're, they're telling hospital systems to code deaths even if it's just assumed COVID. This is a, an executive order put, put out by, both of these were out, put out on March 24th of this year. Andrew Cuomo, it's a broad and sweeping executive order that um, loosens all of the reporting requirements for hospitals, ERs, and medical centers in in New York State. And basically, it allows them to um, really relax all of the reporting standards, specifically those ones um, requirements to maintain medical records that accurately reflect the evaluation and treatment of COVID-19 patients. So you could have people being determined to have COVID-19, but no reporting or record keeping. And this is from the CDC themselves. So if you look at the CDC numbers that they release every day, at the bottom, the asterisk says data includes both confirmed and presumptive positive cases of COVID-19. So there's absolutely no evidence in New York State or anywhere in the country that they're actually testing people who are being declared deceased from COVID-19. And yesterday on my Twitter account, I released an absolutely astounding audio recording of an interview of a woman who lives just 40 minutes down the road from me here in Rochester, New York. And she is saying emphatically that she she had to fight with health officials in order to get her son, who passed away, sadly perished, tested for COVID-19. They wanted just to determine it a COVID-19 death. And the only reason that they were able to get that test was because the doctor in that small town refused to sign off on the death certificate until there was a test. And so there is a great fraud happening here. And I believe if they want to get to those numbers, they're going to, but it's not going to be because they're COVID-19 deaths. It's because they're going to be taking people who have lower respiratory distress syndrome and perish from that, and they're just going to classify them as COVID-19. We have to be ready for that. Italy admitted a few weeks ago uh, to the London Daily Telegraph that they were doing a largely similar methodology. Todd, you've got about 90 seconds to two minutes. Just going to remind you, we were given the best possible pandemic we could have hoped for. It doesn't randomly pick off children. It doesn't randomly pick off the healthy the elderly and the infirmed. Jim Demin agrees with what I've been saying for three weeks uh, today. Why didn't we just quarantine them and take care of them and go to work? Well, because we are a people who are utterly terrified of our own shadow. And so now here we are. And what does fear do to you? It allows you to believe that let's say it's double the 45,000. It's 90,000 deaths because China's lying. You want us to believe through that lens of fear that 
two times that many, more than two times that many are going to die in America alone when we have better sanitation, better hygiene, we don't have wet markets, we have better health care, everything. You want us to believe that. The only way you can possibly believe that is because you're terrified of your own shadow. That's not science. That's not reason. That's just panic. And and do we not have precedence of that morphing in and being called science in other arenas in our culture currently? Yeah, which is yeah, why... They're legion, and I use that word on purpose. They're legion, yeah. in fact. Yeah. Exit question. What is more likely to happen between now and April 30th? President Fauci falls out of favor with Donald Trump, or Trump sticks to this 30-day extension all the way to the end? What do you think is the more likely outcome of those two? Aaron. I really want to say A, but I have no hope whatsoever at this point, so I'm going with B. The latter. You think it's the latter? Yeah. Shannon, what do you think? It depends on what the conservative media does and what the base... <laughs> I, I, I will say, I, I, I don't know that you can keep Trump's attention on anything for 30 days. I, I just... I, that's a long time. That, that is a long time. And, you know, Rush just came back. Uh, I didn't listen, but a friend of mine told me he just came back from his cancer treatments and was already questioning this like his first day back on the air. Uh, oh, yeah. What's that? What's that, Shannon? No, I heard it yesterday. Right. Um, I, was, I was surprised. I was yeah. very surprised how hard Rush was, um, not only on, you know, the the, you know, all of the, the measures he's putting in place, but also on the stimulus package, yep. the, the uh, uh, infrastructure package. Right. It was he was tough. It was good. Yep. Yep, I, I'm still seeing it in my audience. Even people who have not liked my previous positions on Donald Trump are just as ornery and upset by and large as they were a week ago. So we'll see if he can keep his attention on this for 30 days if the pressure continues to mount there. All right, we'll come back and talk about where that pressure may come from here next, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Stay tuned. All right, back here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre, Shannon Joy, New York talk show host. Let's continue with our weekly look at the week that was the Dace Group. Let's get to issue three, unemployed lives matter. A study from the University of Zurich in Switzerland examined the effects of the 2008 global financial collapse on mental health and the likelihood of suicide. The study showed that despite a decrease of around 1% per year risk of suicide between 2000 and 2011, quote, in all world regions, the relative risk of suicide associated with unemployment was elevated by about 20 to 30% during the study period, end quote. Couple that study from 2015 with the news this week that an additional 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment in the past week, bringing the total up to about 10 million since the shutdowns started and the economic ramifications of the Wuhan coronavirus could be utterly disastrous. So Aaron cited the University of Zurich study from the Great Recession a decade ago, um, and I think that's a key data point that even during a time period when overall suicide rates went down, uh, suicides as a result of unemployment and the various the depression, despondency, et cetera, actually went up when the overall rate went down. This week, we hit a higher unemployment rate than we did during the second year of the Great Depression. And it is only going to get higher, if this, especially if this continues for another 30 days. 
when will the lives another Great Depression puts at stake matter? Now, I think you're already beginning to see the pivot that it will. And I, I, I said, and you guys can pick this up from here if you want. I, I told you guys last week, we talked about this in the show, you'll remember, that I thought last week was a game of chicken. That this is obviously a vicious, serious virus, not an apocalyptic event. And so the game of chicken was going to be Donald Trump's got to reopen, at least get some of this economy going, even if it's incrementally, but, but inject some confidence into the American people. And, but he can't do it so early that he gets out ahead of his data and gets disregarded as, you know, cavalier and reckless and just did it to save his own political skin in an election year. On the other hand, he cannot wait too long so that the media then ends up doing it for him and then uses all of its platforms to make him Herbert Hoover and blame him for the depression that they helped cause with their own hysteria that they drove and baiting him into this, frankly. And so this was a game of chicken, right? We had those conversations. I, I think based on another friend of mine got a phone call from a major newspaper along these lines. I mentioned with the, with the ABC news and CBS news has stories out today. Um, we're not, we're not doing standups outside of hospitals to keep that drumbeat going. Right. So I, I think we are approaching the juncture where you will begin to see the pivot of what are the larger societal costs, right? You're seeing hospital layoffs all over the country because they're being told not to do anything except that, that are elective whatsoever, which is where the big money is at, by the way. All right. So at what point do you think this will occur? Or are, do you think we're already beginning to see that pivot occur? Todd, I'll let you start this time. Oh, it's absolutely already happening. You're seeing it in the uh, conservative blue checks uh, that I've been uh, talking about who are you shouldn't be going to church. Uh, but in the next breath, they're making sure they send out another tweet so they're on board and they got all their angles covered. So in terms of life mattering, it's going to increasingly matter, but not because those lives have inherent dignity. Because if people were thinking that way currently and before this happened, we wouldn't be in this mess. They're doing it to protect their own backsides. Life is good. Your life will matter if it helps my life matter. That's not how this works. We would not be in this position if we had a f- level of fundamental appreciation to life, what it is, who gave it to us, why it's worth living. That is the problem, and that's why we're parked here. And it's no coincidence why you see that statistic I mentioned a couple days ago, the loneliness factor that's already set in by generation. It's the highest for Aaron's generation. If the, the oldest people, the one who are the easy, most prone to this disease, are feeling the least lonely because they've had, uh, they have not had their entire lives with this constant punch, punch, punch. You are just a random creation of the ooze. And now that that's all that Aaron's generation basically has, they have no idea what to do. Along those lines, one of my best friends was telling me that he asked his dad. If he remembered, and I can't remember what flu epidemic it was like in the 60s, okay? When he asked his dad, hey, do you remember what life was like then? You know what his dad told him? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, I was a teenager and stuff back then. I don't even remember it. But, but I can tell you what the gas lines were like in the 70s. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like it didn't register to him. It was because it was the assumption was, well, you know, we don't live forever. Something eventually gets you. 
You know, we can't just let's do our best to help as many people as we can and 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 mitigate as much of the suffering as we can. But the idea that we can just escape it all together, you know, I, I, I and hide out in my basement, you know, um, uh, playing, uh, you know, uh, I, stratomatic football with two of my buddies until, uh, you know, a, a vaccine comes along in 10 years. This just wasn't on the this wasn't an option. The idea that we would just stop living because of this. That kind of goes to what you were talking about. He said, yeah. he, was, he said he was blown away by his dad just was like, I don't know. We just lived our lives, man. I was much more impacted by the gas lines of the 70s. <laughs> All right, uh, Shannon, you're next. Go ahead. Well, you know, the question, when will the lives of another Great Depression put um, at, you know, put at stake matter? And I think the answer is never. Um, I think as Americans, we need to begin to understand that people in positions of extreme power like Donald Trump and Bill Gates and Andrew Cuomo have an extraordinarily high tolerance for the suffering of Americans. And that is because you are merely a data point in their graphs, right? They, they do not care. And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, um, whether you love or, or hate Donald Trump, it doesn't, he doesn't care about you individually, okay? He is looking at things cumulatively and in a lot of ways making decisions based on politics, based on his own personal interests, based on what he thinks might be good for the country, but he's not even really getting good information anyway. And in essence, Donald Trump is doing the exact same things that Andrew Cuomo is doing. You know, their, their desire for totalitarian power is it, apparently never satiated. And that exists in both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. And so I think we need to understand that the megalomaniac control freaks and quite frankly, lunatics, because what they're doing is crazy. Okay. What they're doing is insane. And if you have a brain in your head and you've been listening to the things that you've been saying, Steve, and the things that I've been putting out, what they are doing is absolutely insane. So I don't know what their end game is. I really quite frankly, don't know what their end game is. And I'm not even, I'm not even going to try to guess. But uh, these guys here's how you know. Can I can I help your cause for a second? Yeah. Here's how you know that that even if you don't agree with how she got to her math, here's how you know the math, the answer, the math answer that Shannon gave you, even if you don't agree with the formula. Here's how you know she's right, because this is so insane that even other this is the point I've also been making this last week. They're teaching 57 genders at Oxford, guys. Okay. (laughs) They're, they're teaching we're all going to die in 10 years from, uh, from global warming at Carnegie Mellon, guys. Okay? Uh, they're, 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 not, they're, not, they're, not, they're teaching that human life came from single-celled proteins because of amino acids 600 million years ago at Stanford, guys. All right? We're not, they don't even believe each other. Stop and think about this. All right? These are institutions that will all go in lockstep when they agree on their own propaganda. And will not and won't, won't allow you on campus to go ask the Ben Shapiro's and Matt Walsh's of the world what life is like when they try to go speak at places like the Stanford's with the, with a contrarian view, and whether they even let them on campuses. So these are places where they're all in on all the same propaganda, all the same worldview, and even they are looking at the math and they're like, "This poops back crap crazy, man. There's, there, there's, this is this isn't real." That's how you know what Shannon is saying is true. Because it's not just the Breitbart school of, of, of right-wing media doubting these guys. Their own tribe is looking at this stuff and saying, they're like that gif we're talking about all the time. Guys from Stanford are out in bad mullets, shaking their head, doing WTF. 
Guys, at, the chicks at Oxford are coming out that study theoretical epidemiology, and they're like, what the f- is this? What are you doing? This is, this is dumb. And they're all in on all the same propaganda. That's how you know, Shannon's right, that this is insane. That this, the people that are in rote lockstep on virtually everything else don't even agree with each other on this. Aaron, go ahead. So uh, to answer your question about how many lives um, will it take from the Great Depression in order to, you know, actually be worth it or, or what have you, the answer is, as I've been reliably informed over and over again over the last three weeks, is that you hate old people. And I would add as well, shame on CBS News for running that right wing propaganda story about how this is hurting farmers. I, I, am I doing this right? Is that the is that the correct answer? Because that's all we get. <clears throat> all we get is emotional in virtue signaling any anytime these questions are asked because because this is all all that we all that we have i mean it's the air that we breathe apparently i mean just just in the past two weeks we've been told that it's not pro-life to reopen the account because your 401k is hurting from from right-wing people from right-leaning people at the very least, I've seen people who are uh, in positions of leadership at at uh, at Christian seminaries say that, uh, yeah, Caesar was right to arrest that pastor in Tampa Bay. Who are we as a people? And this goes back to what Todd was saying. Who are we as a people? We are we are not the people. We are not the people that we thought we were. We are not the people that we were waiting on. We are not the people who would willingly go and storm the beaches of Normandy. We are the people who cower in fear on our couch because of a piece of guano dropped over. Well, this is the official narrative. We are people who cower on our couches because of a drop of guano dropped in a Wuhan wet market, supposedly five or six months ago. That's who we are. And again, to Shannon's point as well, the dehumanization of all of this of all of this, whether or not we can work from home, to be told that you are being reduced in order in order to fill in the blank, all you are required to do is stay at home and exist. Yeah. As if you're some sort of amoeba. Yeah. That is, that should... Guys, it's, that, demonic. That, it's demonic. That, it's it is the demonic. It's demonic in it's, the matrix. It, it, it yeah. is. Yes, it is. It's absolutely right. And that 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 headline, I keep thinking about this over and over again. That headline from the Babylon Bee that we decided was a homily and not just humor yesterday. Uh, man told that job that provides for his family, pays rent and all the other things labeled non-essential. That's what we're talking about here. It is the inherent dehumanization and it should not surprise you. Coming from the culture that produced 57 genders and kill and shout your abortion is going to do this to the rest of you. They're showing their teeth to you right now. What are you going to do about it? Exit question. True or false? The unemployment rate will break the record of 24.9% set in 1933 during the Great Depression if these shutdowns go on past April 30th. Aaron. Metaphysical certitude. True. Shannon. Yeah, absolutely true. Easily. Let's just, can, can we just skip right to issue four? Yep. Without the intro. All right. Let's, let's try to come up with a nice fun kicker. What are you guys doing? Aaron doesn't have kids yet, but what are the other, what are you two doing to keep your kids occupied right now? That was uh, issue four. All right. How do you, how are you, keep, what, you guys, any tips for how you're keeping your kids occupied right now? Todd. 
Well, for now, my two oldest are still independently uh, training for their track season that they hope comes back. And yesterday, actually, uh, a local uh, television station uh, did a uh, interview with my oldest because she's one of the uh, girls who would have returned as one of the likely favorites to win a state title and mm-hmm. you know what that means to you how you're wrestling with that so uh that's definitely going on otherwise there's just little you know the girls are cooking meals and um yeah. just you know finding a way to you know taking the dogs out for walks things like that and and it, now our governor here is under intense pressure now they are every our, democrat in the state is demanding she declare oh yeah. a police state. Our, our doctors yeah. uh little colloquium whatever had an emergency session to demand this and the story was put out with no data no facts relative to anything else nothing about the that's hospitals what, that's, what, that's what debbie burks did yesterday yeah. well, i've looked at the data yeah. you're not social dis what data show us show yeah. us your data right no you're and just so, gonna lecture us instead so governor right. like i said stay the course be not afraid somebody yeah. sent me an email today what's the difference if she declares a stay at home here's the difference because everything's shut down you can't go anywhere anyway and do anything except walk your dog anyway here's the difference they can arrest you yeah. for mall walking yeah. It's just it's the only difference is more tyranny. That's that's yes. really the only difference because they've cut off the supply. So there's no demand to go to these places anyway. All right. The only difference is they just get more tyranny. That's the difference. All right, Shannon, I hate to do this, but I'm running short on time. So let's go to let's go to the predictions. All right. I'll let you go first, though, to make sure you get yours in. Go ahead. I think that in about two weeks, uh, more and more Americans are going to begin to become alarmed by the economic ramifications. I think right now Americans are really scared of the virus and a little uh, shell-shocked. I have a lot of optimism, and I'm seeing it here in New York, of people beginning to think a little bit further down the road. And so, uh, you know, we can't lean on Trump or, or, or you know, Cuomo or anyone in, in power to save us. But if people begin to think and rise up and demand to go back to work, I think we can see a change in the country. Aaron. Yeah, I think by the middle, uh, at least by the middle of this month, George Schachtel's tweet this morning, who has been covering this this uh, case very, very closely, uh, he, he likened this to being eventually all these shutdowns being eventually like the speed limit. And I think you're going to see, despite shutdowns, you just can't enforce them all. Yeah. Stay-at-home orders, you can't arrest all of us. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to, despite the stay-at-home orders, you're going to see scores of people out and about in a couple of weeks. You see that in New York City. You, you can't tell 16 million people. You just can't. You just can't. It's not realistic that they can't do anything. You're seeing that in New York City with the subways. Todd. More stories from uh, local sheriffs uh, and nurses coming out, uh, pulling back the curtain and showing us how this is a scam. Sheriffs, if there's a lockdown saying, just like they won't enforce certain gun bans, it's like, hell no, I ain't going to be a part of this. My prediction is I think the big story that we're going to see trending with this next week in our neck of the woods. I think Dr. Stephen Moore of Heritage, the interview that he gave to Glenn Beck recently, I think that was actually just two days ago, what Jim DeMint is doing now, all right. These are people that carry a lot of weight in our movement. Uh, Rush Limbaugh carries more weight than anybody in our movement does. All right. Frankly, you probably wouldn't have a movement without him for better or for worse. And I think you're going to see more and more conservatives rise up to challenge this White House from the right. Uh, and I and get about getting this thing going again. I think that will be the big trend line we'll see next week. Shannon, good to see you as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Alex. You bet. We'll come back for hour two and Feedback Friday here next.
All right, we're back here with hour number two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. I don't know how many of you, Aaron, I don't know how many of our, how much of our live audience heard that Glenn Beck promo right before we came back. Everybody on Blaze TV and Blaze Radio watching and you're listening live. I think it's just Blaze Radio. Just Blaze yeah, Radio. Right. I'm not totally sure. Well, for those, because I I wanted to know because I didn't want to repeat it if everybody heard. But we just played a promo from Glenn's show saying, "Hey, call your governor and tell them to tell the banks to suspend these mortgage payments for three months." That's a hell of a lot better idea than twelve hundred dollars to people that doesn't really cover almost any of your nuts anyway. In terms of what your overall nut, you've got a crack for your family budget, and you can't, and, and then whatever's left over, it's not like you've got anywhere to go and spend it and do anything with it anyway. All right, so I mean, and and by the way, what's the most important asset, almost or investment any American will own at any point in their lives, unless they, you know, obtain a a, a matter of material independent wealth? What is it? It's their own homes, right? Yes. I mean, the last thing we want to see is a bunch of people who's who's got, who have, the, who can't, this is where we get the farm crisis that happened in Iowa in the 80s, as I've explained before, is you had a lot of farmers who, in terms of the assets that, that they had, you know, the, the land, the equipment, okay, those assets that they, they had equity in were valuable, very valuable, but they still had debt liens on them as well, despite that equity, meaning things that appreciated in value higher than what they had purchased or, 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 or borrowed the money to buy, but they still owed a portion of the money that they borrowed back. And they, they weren't liquid enough now that they could pay those bills. And so how did they come up with the revenue in order to pay off those liens? Well, they had to, they had to liquefy those assets. And now you're, you're, you're liquid, you sold off your farmland and you're out of business. We're looking at doing that to a lot of American businesses and a lot of American families right now. That would help you guys a lot more. That idea by Glenn would help you a hell of a lot more and any more, the first stupid stimulus bill or any more of them would. But see, oh. here's the thing. Here, here's the thing, though, to keep in mind. Were you going to say something there? Well, but this has to do with the psychology, their psychology that, that went from optimism to run for your lives. You know, I get, and we said this from the beginning, why, even if the dollar amount is writ large we can't really pay for or uh if we could argue about they need a little more at least if you had a feel like easter or something close to it was Mm -hmm. really going to happen you can understand okay well we're you you are going to trust you guys to be grown-ups to handle this how you can with this money we're not going to make that decision for you without that 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 deadline coming somewhere whether it's easter the week after if this is totally open-ended months on end till a vaccine comes you've given us no choices that 1200 is utterly meaningless yes. to us uh, but, that's but, the point but what you did do though is is burden us with more inflation uh and devalued yes. our yep. uh, the power Long of that term, spending yeah. money even when we can do use it again because of all the debt that you just saddled with uh, us with in the process so why do they do it this way do you want the answer to that question i'll mm-hmm. answer it for you Okay. Remember during the years, and I don't, I don't know if you guys worked here when we were, no, because Obamacare happened before you guys came to work here, right? Is when it was enacted, yep. it was 2013, yes. right? Okay. So I, back in those days, I used to point out, you know what they could have done? Let, let, let's just say at face value, we have 15 million Americans that are uninsured, that want insurance, all right? Not 
as Aaron was until last, until, you know, last December, single, healthy, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I need to, you know, to, I'm not going to the doctor that much. People that, let's just say there's 15 million Americans that want health insurance that cannot obtain it. Pre-existing conditions or single mom that's working two or three part-time jobs, can't afford a premium, and none of those jobs offer uh, that benefit, right? Okay, nope. that person, all right? Here's what they could have done. And this is the difference between a liberal and a leftist. What the old liberal would have done is looked at a program like the Hawkeye program here in Iowa and other states have them as well and said, well, hey, we appreciate those efforts and models, but they can't that you guys don't have the you're not you don't have the wherewithal to, to, to address the problem. It's a national problem. All right. And, and so because what if that what if that person gets a job and leaves and goes to a state that doesn't have a Hawkeye program? What do we do? All right. And what they would have done is they just would have created a, a, an expansion of Medicaid or which was part of Obamacare, but not what Obamacare was really about. They just would have done a massive expansion, expansion of Medicaid and, and let you without being means tested, just if you couldn't afford health insurance, you can get, get access to that. They would have just done that. And, and it would have been a massive growth of government, but that's the way the old liberal would have thought. The old liberal would have thought, how do I use government to do for people what they can't do for themselves? So why didn't they just do that? Why do we have to have community ratings and men pay for pap smears and everything else? Why do we do that? Because what is progressivism about more than anything else? What's pa- it about? Power. Power and control. Yes. If they had done it the way I said, that, that the old liberals would have done it, then they could not have. See, community rating and those sorts of things are about power. Um, if they had done it that way and not completely destabilized the system, they wouldn't have gotten the power and control that they really want. Because that's what they really want is the power and the control. The, the helping the 15 alleged a million uninsured who can't pay for buy their own insurance is 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 that's that's the gizmo that I uh, the ghetto pass I log I latch onto to get me to the end game that I want because they could have just done it without they could have massively grown government without destabilizing the private healthcare market but that wouldn't have given them the power and the control that they want. So that's the same reason why you're getting these stimulus packages as opposed to, hey, you know what? These banks, we bailed, you guys bailed them out 10 years ago. They're bailing you guys out now. It's their, it's their turn to return the favor, All right? So everybody gets 90 days, no mortgage payments, no liens on your, on your property that you have to pay for, all right? And, and they're not, and, they're, and, they're, and, and it's, it's a forgiveness, all right? It's year of jubilee, Right out biblical law. We're just it, we're forgiving that. We're taking that time off of your off of your debt calendar. We're just removing it. All right. You've been given forgiveness. The banks have got enough money. And you bailed them all out 10 years ago. They can get, they can do you this solid for 90 days. They could that'd be that would be far more beneficial. It's the idea that I don't have to, you know, I make a good living. I'm not rich, but I make a good living. That would help me a lot. I can't imagine what somebody not, not to know that I that hey if this thing were to go haywire the worst is the worst you know because now I can dedicate that 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 money to making sure my family's got food and everything else right but that wouldn't give them the power that they want let me give you an example of what I mean a good friend of mine told me today that uh, his his business was looking at taking advantage of the small business uh, lo- bridge loans that they're offering okay and. I'm, what I'm about to say is not to discourage you from taking advantage of it. Please, that's not my point. 
I'm simply relaying to you why this good friend of mine is not going to do it. This good friend of mine is not going to do it, though, because he's done a lot of, uh, he's, he's, he's negotiated a lot of big money deals for other people. Uh, goes to goes to Hong Kong and well he did right on a regular basis to negotiate big money deals for other people. He's not he's not adverse to paperwork and documentation. But now when it comes to his own small business, the amount of documentation that the government wants, the things they want to know about him and and what he does with his money, and keep in mind this is a guy that deals with the IRS and everything all of the time. He's like. I, I don't, I'm not comfortable giving him that information. I, I, I don't know why they're asking me for, inf- they don't need that. They, they're asking me for information they don't need. Why, why do they need more than I already give the IRS every year? I'm not doing it. See, in the end, remember, you know, Mnuchin stood up there yesterday, who's a big lefty, by the way. And he's, he's dreadful. And he's a big lefty. Mnuchin stood up there yesterday and said, um, we're sorry that we, we, we crushed all your businesses and the way that we're going to repay you is you borrow from us your own money. It's your money. You borrow the money, the, the, how we're going to help your businesses, you borrow back from us the money we already took from you. That's the plan. See, in the end, in the end, it's about power and control. If everything, if the governors of North Dakota and Iowa have already shut essentially everything down, but the, but the migration of the people, the migration of the people will be severely limited anyway, because there's almost nowhere to migrate to. Like if you got up tomorrow morning on a Saturday, Todd, and the Erzin clan said, we just cannot do this anymore. Where would you go? Right. Where would you go? Maybe to some park where you're not in any, out in the middle of nowhere, where you're not in any danger of, of a mass gathering. That's literally like the only place that you would go. Walmart, Target, you're essentially in one, basically. No, 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 no. They, we, they just want the, they want the shelter in place so they can have the tyranny, so they can have the power and they can have the control. That's always what this stuff is about. The power and the control. The power and the control. That's what's going on here. And props to Governor Gavin Newsom in California yesterday for just saying it out loud. Hey, this is our chance to reimagine things. It's what I told you last week. There is a cultural Pearl Harbor happening right now. Now, before I get to Feedback Friday, I'm going to tell you something that may upset some of you. But I'm telling you this because the good news with Donald Trump is, is he's like the weather in the Midwest. If you don't like where things are at right now, stick around. Like in an hour or two, if not in a day or two, you might have a totally different take. I mean, the psychology of me and my friends around the country in our private conversations about Trump, it, I, I, I even see it when, amongst the three of us here in our own little world. Where at any given point, my group of friends that I deal that I work with on, on stuff around the country, at any given point, man, within that small group, there's, there's a couple of us that, that hate his guts right now. There's a couple of us that want to run through a wall for him right now. And then there's a couple of us that are just so bored. We can't, we, we're so bored with, with, with the up and downs. We just don't even want to have an opinion anymore. And then it just rotates. 
who within our group, and we are all like hard right wingers, okay? It just rotates all within our group who has that take at that particular point in time, all right? So I'm telling you this now because the one thing with Donald Trump that is both frustrating but also hopeful is he's malleable. Donald Trump failed his presidency this week. He failed the people that elected him this week. That that press briefing that went on Tuesday was was pardon the expression, deplorable. To offer people literally no hope and to tell them that if, even if they follow these models and do everything perfect, we might kill as many people in, in America as died in World War II with, with, with no idea, no defining of what victory looks like. It, it was just dreadful. Dreadful. What's followed these last couple of days, I mean, we just went way off the grid to discuss drug traffickers. I, I mean, it, to me, that tells you that they know Tuesday was terrible because now they're trying to come up with something else. Yeah, the very next day was America. Yeah, they, 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 they know it was bad. His chief expert has failed him and, and failed the country, I believe. And just won't stop talking. But he doesn't, have anything to say nothing meaningful to say and now today it is we can't trust the models that i said we had to listen to president fauci to shut the country down we can't trust them but and, and then the ones that when trump was going to open things back up i demanded we listen to to keep things shut down now we can't tr- enough 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 okay he's cornered right now this is an extraordinary circumstance man the, the amount of presidents, this is Bush post 9-11. This is Kennedy getting up the morning after the, after, uh, you know, uh, uh, after uh, losing the, the space rates to the Soviets and the Cuban missile and, and missiles in Cuba. This is FDR getting a phone call on a Sunday morning. Sir, our, our entire naval fleet was just sneak attacked. This is, this is, you know, a state legislator from Illinois getting elected to the presidency and then the, and then there's fire, shots fired at Fort Sumter. This is extraordinary. Uh, even someone with, with that whose character no one really ever questioned and who was thought to be a philosopher king type of, 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 of presidential candidate would be in way over their heads right now. Last week, I urged you to to support him, have his back while he was having yours. Here's what I think we need to do this week. I think this week, sometimes, sometimes you got to pick your leaders up off the off the ground. Sometimes, sometimes they 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 need a hand up. And there's a great scene in the movie Darkest Hour, and Todd, you alluded to it a few days ago, where Churchill is besieged by experts. We must surrender. We, have, we cannot win. We cannot rescue our boys that are strung out there on the English Channel, out there on Dunkirk. We're going to lose. That's the rest of our armada sitting right there, dead as a doornail. We need to negotiate now while we still have some leverage, get the best deal we can get. And everybody's on them. And he gets some advice from King Edward. Go listen to what the people have to say. 
because now he's beginning to doubt himself. Maybe I was, maybe I, because, you know, the, the reason that uh, Churchill had a checkered political past and belonged to both major political parties, he'd made a couple wrong calls in the past. And his reputation was kind of, eh. So now he's, now he's doubting himself. Maybe I, maybe I have met, maybe we really can't win this fight. I misread this. And we do need to negotiate. And he jumps on the train or the British version of the subway, basically. Uh, and, and I have, I doubt this happened in real life, but the power of this scene from a storytelling perspective is incredible. It's probably the best scene in the entire movie. Don't you think? And the whole movie's got great oh, scenes. And I bet it happened in various ways. So they packaged yes, it just not like it, one, you yes, know, epiphany correct. moment. That right. yeah, that's how you do movies. And he, and he, and he gets on that train and he just starts talking to the average people. And the average people are like, hell no. It may as well have been Braveheart on that yes. train, just like Sons of Scotland. It yeah. was awesome. Women who haven't seen their husbands who have been on the war front for more than a year, haven't seen them, don't know if they're alive. All right? I mean, didn't socioeconomic status doesn't matter. And and the people are like, uh, basically better dead than red. Okay? <laughs> I mean, they were like, uh, no way. No way. I, 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 you know what? I'm, I'm fine meeting my maker. If the choice is meeting my maker or Zeke Heil, I'll take my, I'll take my odds in the, in the next life, brother. Basically, everybody stance. Sometimes your leaders need your leadership. Because again, it doesn't, your personal opinion of him is irrelevant. He's the only person with any real power in this country who has shown they're willing to at least listen to you. Maybe he doesn't always do what you want him to do, but he has shown he's willing to listen. That's the first step. And his team's failing him. At least his medical team is. Some of it's his own fault. He's given him too much power. Ceded too much of his authority to them. But I can understand why you might do that when you're in over your head. I'm up against an invisible enemy. How much do I, he, how much do you even say on a daily basis to blame China for this? Because can, do you, is it worth going to war with China? Who knows? Maybe it is, but can you, the tentacles here, guys, are, <laughs> I mean, is, is Euclid, is that the, was that the Greek, the, the great Greek mathematician, right? One of them, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Euclid, Euclid could not do the math that the president of the United States is being asked to do right now. Because everything's a butterfly theory. Everything's a rubber band effect. Everything I do is going to have the law of unintended consequences. And what happens is when you get into a situation like that and, and, and you can't make the math work, you get paralyzed. And you're not sure, you freeze. What do I do? One of the things I've tried to teach my son Noah, the more and more he, he steps into manhood, is it's better off you're better off doing the wrong thing as fast as you can than doing nothing. Learn from it and then do it yeah, again. Because yeah. you can at least learn from that mistake and there's still time to make up for it. But, but freezing and doing nothing, all that did was just lose time that you otherwise at least might have learned a lesson. You at least might have learned a lesson, right? Yes. So do, do the, if you're not, I mean, first of all, if you, think, if you know what the right thing is, do that first. But if you're not sure, take a chance on doing the wrong thing first before you decide to do nothing. Okay. He needs to hear from you again. 
I mean, they were going to bring in all these, these, these visa candidates from these other countries, including China, until Tucker Carlson spoke up last night. Now, suddenly, they've just completely reversed. That's an example of what we mean. They need to hear from all of you. Because right now, all he's hearing from is a guy who went out there and told people with HIV that as long as you still have it but can test negative, keep having sex with other people and we'll decriminalize it. That, that's, his, that's his expert right now, Anthony Fauci. Deborah Burks, I mean, how many positions has she taken these last couple of weeks? She doesn't know. And you know why they don't know? Because they're human beings and some things on this earth are beyond us. We cannot solve everything. And somehow we still have to manage for life to happen. I went and looked the other day because some people are talking about whether the football season is going to get canceled or not. And there's a lot of comparisons to this in the Spanish flu pandemic uh, after World War I in 1918, right? You know they, that in 1918, even with the lack of medical technology, sanitation, they still actually still played a college football season that year. I went and looked it up. That was Michigan's first year in the Big Ten Conference. It was in 1918. Now, it was limited. They didn't play as many games. But they still had a life. And, and by the way, we may decide, and we may get more data, and you know what we may find? It, it would suck. But we may decide, guys, we, we, maybe we can't play football this fall. I don't know that we can. I just don't know that we can't either. Sitting here on April the second, we don't. We're we're making a, lots of leaps without data. That we, I I've been telling you for two weeks when I was doing their math, their data is not reliable, and now Fauci's telling you their data is not reliable. Their models aren't reliable, which is where they're getting the data from. But we made all these preemptive, we 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 injected all these preemptive threats to our way of life, and, and see the bureaucratic mind will not admit it's wrong. That's why we weren't given a plutocracy of bureaucrats, but a representative republic of people accountable directly to us and the God our rights come from. I can't even imagine what is going through the mind of Donald Trump on a daily basis right now with everything that is coming at him. Winston Churchill probably saved Western civilization in the last century. Or at least he saved it long enough for the United States to save it. That's, that, that's the minimum of what he did. The minimum of what he did is he saved it, he held, on, he, held, he held on to it long enough for the United States to do it. He might have even done much more. That's the minimum, though, that he did. Still, at some point, he needed to hear from the everyday people. The everyday people that don't have the they they that don't have the luxury of data tables. That have had to learn there's more to life than Tiger King. He needs to hear from you. The people that put him there. He needs to know if he steps out with his you-know-what flapping in the wind here, you're going to have his back. That you understand that there, there, there is, unless we have, and it could happen, where this burns itself out in the summer like what happened in the first SARS, that could happen. I don't even think that's even a remote, 
I don't, I would rank it higher than a remote possibility based on my own research. I wouldn't like go to the handicap. I wouldn't go to Vegas and bet on it. Okay. Like, I don't think we can just, uh, I don't think the odds are so good that we can just go ahead and just say, let's just hunker down till we get to June and July when the weather gets warm. But I think the odds are at least reasonable that this could burn itself out when that happens. But in the meantime, who is he listening to? I, I think he needs to hear from you. And he needs to know that if he takes that risk, because that's, that's the job of a president. This is no time, as Margaret Thatcher said to George H.W. Bush, at the, begin, at the, the day before they were going to launch their attack to free Kuwait. This is no time to get wobbly, George. And that's a guy that saw war. That's a guy that ran the CIA. That's a guy that, I mean, George Herbert Walker Bush was a guy that saw the soft underbelly of, of human nature. He did, he's not, he didn't, I mean, it, it didn't live on Wall Street, the financial sector. Even he got wobbly. I think he needs to hear from you. I, th I think he needs to know that if he takes the leadership role here, Factoring in all of the, the considerations beyond just what the disease will rot, that you've got his back. Because I would imagine it's real lonely over there at the West Wing right now. I would imagine there's a whole lot of people, what do you mean we lone, tauntoing right now. What do you mean we lone ranger? Where they're stuck, because you know why they're stuck, guys? Because it's more, this is not a nothing burger. It's bad. It's bad in the places where it's bad. But it's also not nearly as bad in every place else as they told us it was going to be. But at the same time, we're, 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 we're making unprecedented infringements on our liberties. We have, we, have, we have shut down an economic engine that the world needs to beat something like this. It needs, when, 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 we, had to, when we had to beat the Nazis, what did we do? We fired up the American economic engine. We shut it down. Now, they, now there's talk today, maybe it's come out, I haven't seen, that they're going to go ahead and the, the, um, they're going to recommend masks in public now. I don't know. Well, where are all these masks going to come from? Who's going to make all these masks? You know what Mike Lindell, God bless him over at MyPillow, is going to need to make masks? Think Mike can make all those masks himself. What's he going to need, Todd? The Workers. Right? Yes. It's going to need workers to do this. And a supply chain. Yes. yes. And then workers to, to then engage that supply chain to get it from here to there. Because you can't buy China's masks. How many countries have found that out now? How many people are dead in Spain because they trusted you know, thousands of China, Chinese masks? He was always going to have to make a calculation here. There, there, there's no way around this. There's no ideal solution. Even if this thing burns itself out in the summer like the first SARS, we economically cannot survive just sitting in our homes for another two to three months until every day it's 85 degree weather gets here. We can't. We're at 10 million jobless claims right now. But I would imagine there's a lot of people at that White House right now telling your president what he cannot do. What he should not do. Probably not a lot of them sitting over at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, giving him the courage of what he needs to do, what he must do, what he can do.
cannot do this job alone. It's probably pretty lonely over there right now. And you could tell a week ago at this time, his instincts were, we cannot do this to ourselves. We cannot have the cure be worse than the disease. Well, what's changed? It certainly isn't reliable data. We know that now. That's not it. What's changed is he was willing to go out there on that limb and a whole bunch of people were looking at him like, we'll be over here blaming you for it later. Even the apostles needed to put their their hand, they needed to, they needed to put their fingers through the nail scarred hands. You cannot ask more of Donald Trump than you then then <laughs> you cannot ask more faith of Donald Trump than what the apostles who witnessed the risen Lord demonstrated when first asked to act on that which the experts said was untrue. You're gonna, you're not gonna. I, I, this is he, you're, I don't believe you can sit around and just wait for him to act. I think you're gonna, you're gonna have to give him the confidence to act. And I think it's got to come from you and people like you, because the experts right now, the bureaucratic state, you know, most of the people that wanted him impeached the last few years, they're hunkering down playing Operation CYA right now. Time for the people to give him the pick-me-up, like Churchill got in that great scene in The Darkest Hour. We'll come back and do some Feedback Friday here in a moment. All right, so pardon me for some abbreviated Feedback Friday here. We'll get to in a second. I, I just wanted to encourage you guys to give uh, someone who needs the feedback right now a lot more than we do and literally holds the power of life and death in his hands, and that's the president, okay? We'll get to the feedback now that you've sent to us, brought to you by Riduzone. If you are one of uh, millions of Americans right now spending way too much time thinking about food because there ain't much else to think about while you're sitting at home, uh, and it, and the grazing is uh, is now becoming more like the harvesting, all right, get those portion sizes and cravings under control with Riduzone. It is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat so you can reduce your calorie intake. And that makes it easier to resist those cravings that uh, can be a son of a motherless goat uh, right about now. So if you want to give Riduzone a shot, you can only get it uh, by the website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. That's how you spell Riduzone. Use uh, my name, Steve, as the promo code when you go there. They'll give you up to 65% off and free shipping. When you go to Riduzone.com, that's a great offer. Up to 65% off and free shipping when you go to Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. All right, let's get to some of the feedback you've sent to us. This one's a a, a little uh, lengthier than we typically would. In fact, the first couple are. But um, I'm making some papal exceptions right now, given where we're at. Because I also think what these two individuals have to say is important. 
This is from Carl Clark in Houston who says, a couple of questions. First, we can all agree after all that has transpired over the past few months, the United States, if not most of the West, should distance its reliance on China for its wholesale cheap production of goods, especially key goods that are crucial to national sovereignty, like medical supplies, technology, building supplies, etc. In this day and age, has this pandemic and panic been enough to alter enough of the public mindset to take steps necessary to disengage from China and take matters of production key to our national sovereignty and national security back into our own hands? And if so, what would be realistic steps to alter the imbalance? We've got to make sure, Carl, that we win the first argument first, and then we have the second one. So right now, I think we just stay focused on the first one. Because in the end, if you win the first one, necessity becomes the mother of invention. If we agree we must do that, that's how we'll come up with the methods to make it happen. If we wait until we have the methods of happening to do it, we'll argue against ourselves. We first must be convinced that we have to do this. It's a national imperative. And then when we do that, that history of our country shows that's where we come up with the methods to make something happen. The second, he says, though, ties to the first. Listening to your podcast earlier this week, you were discussing the mortality that was baked into the cake with previous generations of Americans, those who grew up listening to their previous generations that witnessed the War of 1812, even the Civil War, and still settled the Western frontier. It made me think of listening to stories from my grandmother living on a farm in northern Iowa during the Great Depression, setting the table with plates down to not collect dust before the meal was served. Having German POWs as farmhands during World War II, and even siblings she lost during childhood due to sickness and disease. All the while, as you said, all of society was not shut down to sit at home and do nothing. However, as one of the few going into work on Houston freeways this morning, I was driving by countless restaurants, movie theaters, shopping centers, entertainment centers, while listening to your discussion on the country's history of motivation for action. And it made me pause and think on the dichotomy of my grandmother's stories of mortality, struggle, and sacrifice, which ironically make for great stories, with the interplay of my current surroundings, one of the largest cities of America, of comfortable consumerism, and it's mainly stocked by China. Have we become the generation so easily succumbed to panic that the only answer is to shut down all of society, sit at home, and do nothing because, well, just look around you. We have ceded our productivity to China, our worship to pop culture, and our religion to the state, and in doing so, exchange steak for Cheetos, as you used to say. Have we so far removed ourselves from the mortality baked into the cake of our ever-increasing secular society, surrounded by the complacency of cheap culture or creature comforts and Netflix, that we have inflicted ourselves with virtue signal paralysis and lost the motivation for action, even exchanging inaction as action? Yes. You're nailing it here, dude. This is a homily yes. right here is what this is. Okay. I hope this all can be a wake-up call and cure for the paralysis which is why I'm interested in any strategies and an answer to question one. But knowing that human nature and our current representation in Congress fear it will not result in a cure, but is a manifest symptom of a society that has a far greater illness. Yes. There is one fact that does remain. God will bring this about in his own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the only one who has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. No one has seen or can see him. To him be honor and eternal might. Am or Amen. That's from First Timothy six. Still can't wait to gather the grandkids around and tell them stories about the great Chinese virus, Wuhan flu, coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-2 pandemic of 2020 around the turn of the century and regale them with stories of how we all blindly listened to the experts and just went home to watch Tiger King on Netflix. We got to post that on social media, maybe. 
That is cash money, homie. Alpha yeah. and omega. Yeah. Let's go from the meta to the personal. This is from Bill Ollinger, Ollinger in Davenport, right here in Iowa. Bill says, I wonder how many seniors are like my mom, silently suffering through this lockdown. My mom is 94. She is the sweetest, kindest person you'd ever meet. She loves God more than any person I know. Her family is everything to her. This lockdown is killing her spirit slowly, but I can notice it. The government has taken her favorite things from her, going to daily mass, receiving Christ via communion, seeing her family. She has gone to daily mass every day of her life since she was five years old. She even goes to church two to three times a week to the chapel and prays before the blessed sacrament for an hour each visit. She can't do any of this now, and I know she misses these things and us dearly. She raised nine kids with my dad. My dad died about 12 years ago, and she lost three of her boys between 2005 and 2008. She said losing a child is harder than losing her spouse. My mom hasn't seen a lot of heartache in her life, but her motto is, I'm the little girl the Lord spoils. She has no fear of death. She actually, she's actually looking forward to the day when she's with her heavenly father and family, God willing. She misses her family badly right now. My siblings, even those who live out of town, have tried to visit at least a couple of weeks, at least every couple of weeks, and the ones in town stop by to check on her regularly. Since this shutdown, I'm her only contact because she lives with me. No visits from her kids, the grandchildren, friends. She suffers from dementia, and this social isolation has done her mind no favors, as she doesn't get much stimulation by just watching Fox News all day. And her hearing is really bad, so she can't talk on the phone. If this lockdown continues for much longer, I'm going to have to talk with my siblings and my mom and see if she wants us to continue the isolation because I don't think the status quo is what's making her happy. And what good is staying alive if you aren't living? What good is staying alive if you aren't living? I'm sure my mom would say she wants to see her kids and her grandkids, even if it's just for short visits and a hug. This isolation could be a more deadly killer for seniors like my mom than the virus. As people need to feel like they're a part of a community, family. We need to keep a connection with one another. I love my mom more than any other person on this earth. I want her to be happy, not slowly having her spirit stripped away. We're, we're more than a survival rate. And I, I just, I wish there were more, I, w- I wish there were more uh, widow Ollagers from Davenport, Iowa out there, 94 years old, who lived in a country that used to know that. That death Death comes to us all. We, we only live in a country like this because of people who are willing in the, in the youth, the prime of their lives with all of that untapped potential. They were willing to risk never getting to be maybe even parents, let alone grandparents. Because they thought it was worth you and I having that opportunity to risk their lives for us. And, and, and right now we're being lectured to about how to save lives 
by people like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation who think that the way, the way to transform third world countries is to kill their offspring before they're born because we have to limit the surplus population. With no regard of, could that person, could one of those persons you killed have come up with some, irrig some futuristic, futuristic irrigation system we can't even contemplate right now? Like, go, go, if you could go back in time 150 years ago in this country and tell people that they were going to be able to flush the toilet and, and get running water that they were safe to drink in the same room, they'd have looked at you like, burn the witch. This is, what, what, what witchcraft is this? There's no way this could happen. And we just take it for granted now. How many of those babies the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation recommended countries in places like Africa and other impoverished areas of the world kill before they're born? Do we know, how, how do you know what the potential of every one of those children were? That one of those children would not have come up with some futuristic irrigation system that would transform that entire continent. Do you know that? No. We don't know that. That, that one of those children was going to be to Congo what Thomas Edison is to the United States. Do you, or Henry Ford, do you know that? No. We don't know that. We don't know. And those right now are the people that, that we are relying, we've put our entire civilization into their hands. Anthony Fauci's greatest claim to fame before this moment was isolating the HIV virus so people with it could go out and have sex and not be criminalized anymore. That, that's literally his greatest claim to fame until now. Making sure people with HIV can still have, can still have sex. And, and he right now literally holds the entire fate of this country in his hands. That, I don't even know what to say to something like that. I love sex. So is my wife. We love it a lot. That's why we have three kids. But a day will soon come. I'm 47. She's 45. A day will soon come that there's not enough blue pills in the world that will probably mean Make it so that we can, if we live that long, we can still get to enjoy sex. Does it make our lives any, any less meaningful at that point in time? No. No, it doesn't. You know why? Because then we enjoy the children and grandchildren that our love of sex gave to us. We get to enjoy that part too. There's more going on here, folks. We're more than a survival rate, man. I mean, this is... <laughs> What's the, what good is staying alive if you aren't living? I don't know who Bill Olliger of Davenport, Iowa is. I don't know if we've ever met. I don't know. Don't know what he does. I don't know what his IQ is. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this though. I'm confident in saying this. This line from Bill Olliger's email. What good is staying alive if you, alive if you aren't living? I can tell you this. That's the smartest damn thing you've heard that's smarter than anything you've heard from the White House Coronavirus Task Force this week. I'll tell you that. It's wiser than anything you've gotten off of a cable news channel, except for maybe the Tucker Carlson show this week. I can promise you that. It's, it's, there's, there's more mercy 
and truth in that statement than any of your governor's shelter and shelter at home orders. I promise you that. That's some solid food right there. That'll preach right there. That'll inspire. That'll tell you, that'll give you some what for right there. That'll wake you up. That'll get the Rocky music going right there. That will. Not, well, we're still waiting to flatten the curve that we thought was going to be here two weeks ago, and we think it will be here. We're not really sure. Um, uh, how about maybe the end of May? That's what Pence was telling conservative leaders yesterday. I kid you not. You just weren't on that call. Some of my friends were. That's what they heard. I don't know, man. If this is a cultural Pearl Harbor, I'm going to tell you right now. Whatever trench Bill Oliger of Davenport's in, I'm jumping in that one. Got a chance to win that fight. We still might lose, but at least we got a chance to win. And I don't, I don't care. I'm choosing Bill Oliger of Davenport, Iowa over Anthony Fauci any day of the week and brother twice on a Sunday, if you know what I mean by that. Give me a nation of Bill Ollingers of Davenport, Iowa with their 94-year-old mamas over, well, we can't really, we can't test the models. America was built by men like Bill Ollinger of Davenport, Iowa and his 94-year-old mama. They made this country. That's the bureaucratic state that is paralyzed with fear and paralyzed this country with fear. They're the reason you get to have a bureaucratic state. They did all the living and dying in this country. They paid all the taxes and the bills. And now at a time that we need that spirit maybe more than we have ever needed it in this country. Maybe ever. We told Bill Ollinger of Davenport, Iowa and his 94-year-old mama who buried her siblings during the Great Depression, sit home. Get the munchies, Netflix and chill. Hell no. That's a lie from the pit of hell is what that is. Waste your last remnant of God-given talent. Don't say one final goodbye to grandma and grandpa. I didn't tell you guys this. You know what I did? Amy and I sent the kids to see their grandparents this week on their anniversary on the 31st. Why? Because it had been 14 days. No one showed any symptoms. Enough. 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 What good is staying alive if you aren't living? I wish I would have read Bill's email on Monday. I could have just called in sick the rest of the day, rest of the work, rest, rest of the week. I'm done here. That's it. There's nothing else to say, nothing else to do. Bill Ollinger of Davenport, Iowa is Augustine. At least he is compared to the leadership we're getting from President Fauci right now. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.